Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 83. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Bill Springer. This week on the show, we're asking, who's your Bernie? Pamela Laird of Finn & Co Hair joins us on Forest FM to share her story about turning her nightmare customer, Betty, into her dream customer, Bernie. So, grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Killian. How are things? I'm good now. So busy week for you. You're uh, in another different country again this week, aren't you? Yes, again. Uh, traveling in the US. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, we're, we're doing a lot of traveling around lately. So where are we now? Currently in Philadelphia in our Philadelphia office. And yeah, it's been a busy week, but a really cool experience. Cool. So really looking forward to this episode. This is one that we actually came across there couple couple of weeks ago and we're kind of delighted to finally get it scheduled so pretty much um just as we mentioned in the introduction this week we're focusing on how to find your bernie so basically how do we ditch the clients we don't want which is our betty's and attract the clients we do want the bernie's this topic is the brainchild of pamela lard who attributes the success of her hair salon business finn and co hair by asking themselves, which is our perfect client or who is our perfect client so it's something that every salon owner it, could only dream of finding out. So welcome to the show, Pamela. Hi. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Great, great. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm fine, thanks. It's all good. This is weird. This is the first time that we've ever done a podcast where all three of us can actually see each other on a webcam. So it's great because it's like you're actually in the room. Um, We usually do where myself and Zoe do a live feed of the video, and then we're just looking at a blank screen. So it's great to actually essentially have you in the room here today. Yeah, it's really good. In three different countries and we're all here together. It's fabulous. <laughs> yeah, three different countries all in the one area. <laughs> yeah, it's good. So, um, Pamela, just I suppose before we even get too far into this, um, suppose, without kicking it off, do you want to tell our audience a bit about yourself and a bit about your own salon? Okay, so, um, yep, I'm Pamela. I live in a small East Coast town in Scotland called Carnoustie. Um I've owned my own salon for around about 13 years. In fact, I think it's 13 years this Sunday. Um, I've been hairdressing for over 30 years now. I love the industry. Um, I'm really passionate about what we do. Um, I've gone from, you know, a YTS, which is like an an apprenticeship nowadays. I've grown, I've developed, um, you know, I went through being a stylist, a senior stylist, a trainer. I'd always dreamed of, you know, maybe owning my own salon or managing a team. However, the boss that I had at the time was, no, no, that's not for you. That's really not your bag. You should be training. You should be doing X, Y, and Z. And I was like, no, 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 that's, you know, that's not for me. I'm going to have, you know, my own salon, which in hindsight, I could see why she didn't think that this would be the right thing for me because it's not as easy as I obviously thought. How hard could it be? Let's just open a salon and they will they will come, you know. But as many salon owners know, no, it's, <laughs> it's not that simple. But the journey I've been on has taken me to, yep, 13 years of running my own salon. And it's been a very um, hilly journey, I'll say. Yes, many ups and downs. So it's a classic case of the grass is green on the other side. You've got a salon. Why can't I have my own salon? Pretty much. Look at all that money that you must be making. I want to do that too. However, yeah, you soon realise that, yeah, that all that money isn't really yours. <laughs> it's not as easy as just picking up your scissors and cutting hair. There's a lot more goes on in running a salon. So you had no real kind of business skill set at this stage, did you? Mm. Did you just kind of like up and move over or did you get yourselves enrolled in any courses or anything? 
Well, so what I did to begin with was I rented a chair in a salon first. You know, I left, it was a big salon that I worked in and I left the security of that um, to go and just rent a chair and become self-employed. So I was kind of dipping my toe in. But then for me, that wasn't enough. I wanted my own team around me and stuff like that. So I just basically, within six weeks, decided there's a property, I'm going to open a salon and then like that, yeah, how hard could it be? And from there, I'd say the first five years of that were really tough. You know, I was just like, come into work, do what you want. Everything's fine. But really what people need is somebody to say, look, here are the rules. Here's what you're doing. Here's how hard you have to work here, you know, and things like that. And, ha- and have boundaries, have targets, have systems in place. However, for five years yet, no, I didn't have a clue about what I was doing. So at the moment, like how big would the salon be? How many staff do you have? So there's there's seven of us all together. There are five stylists, including myself. And then I have a trainee and I also have Jenna, who I call my admin angel. Because as with many hairdressers, we don't realise how much of the admin side there is. So I have Jenna who runs the background stuff for me, which makes my job a lot, lot easier. Yeah, of course. My organiser. Yeah. How long did it take you to get up to a team of seven, including yourself? I would say we were sitting at a team of seven around about the five to six year mark. Maybe seven years. However, I have recently lost a couple of stylists. One of them went on to become a matrix educator, which is, you know, an amazing, an amazing job role. I couldn't have offered her the travelling and that that she does. And one of my senior stylists just left to go to Australia. So that, you know, that was a really, that was heart-wrenching. That was just like last month. That was really tough. Um, so the numbers have kind of gone up and down, you know, as with what we'll speak about with, with finding your perfect clients, it's also finding your perfect team. So some of them I've grown myself. A couple of them came from college and we developed them from there. But but they were older. They were mature students. So they already knew Hairdressing was really for them and they were really determined, really focused. The other ones are ones that have come into us as a trainee and then we've, as they say, we've grown them ourselves. So, yeah, um, but I think seven, eight is a a nice number because you can keep in touch with them all and you can know them really well. Yeah, exactly. It's still kind of close enough group, close in it. Yeah. On the other side of running a salon, You've uh, got yourself into a bit of public speaking. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I need to be careful what I wish for because <laughs> I'm part of a CME group, um, Content Marketing Academy, and I've been a part of that for about three to four years now. And there's a conference run every year. Mm. It's a two-day conference um, where there's all these really well-known speakers. And I just so happen to say, oh, I'd really like to speak. You know, one of my goals is to speak on your stage. Um which, of course, I was then given that opportunity, which, you know, is way out of what was my comfort zone. Um, I'm happy to say now that I feel quite comfortable on a stage. I really enjoy it. But again, the preparation that goes into, you know, a 10-minute talk was way more than I would ever have imagined. You know, thinking that you can just stand up there, wing it and go for it is is not how it really is. You know, there is a an art to public speaking but I do enjoy it I really really enjoy it yeah it's good fun 
I'm laughing here because uh, as you're talking about this, your first public speaking, Zoe also just got offered her first gig last night. So everything, Yay, go Zoe! Everything you're talking about here. I could give you some tips. I could I could give you some tips. Yeah. <laughs> this is just very apt at the moment, yeah. I will take them all. I will take so them are you, all. Are, yeah. you, are you going to do it then, Zoe? Have you committed to... Yeah, well, I applied for it and uh, got through to Seattle Interactive in October. So I still have I still have a bit of time to prep. Wow, yeah. <laughs> did you have long to prep for your own one, did you? Because it's a really good topic. So was this something that you were kind of, you already were well familiar, you knew this straight away, this is what you were going to talk about? Or did you have to kind of have to dig deep and go, what will I talking about? Well, I, I did what, like, I mean, you get that usual, you know, the imposter syndrome of, well, what do I know <laughs> that I can share with people that they're not already going to know about? Because this is what we do anyway. Um, so I had a few different ideas. You know, I have an amazing team. I could speak about how to build a good team around you. Um, we do a lot of our own training. So I'm starting to do like a 12-week training program from college to on the floor, you know, that sort of thing. But customers are something that no matter what industry you're in, you know, you, you're looking for these perfect customers. So being part of a group, I have an accountability group and through speaking to them, you know, it made perfect sense that I would speak about how to find your perfect customers because we've all had, you know, really awful, awful customers and the ones that we really don't want to work with. So it is, you know, it just made sense. And in a room full of, you know, it wasn't a room full of hairdressers. It was, you know, there was designers, there's accountants, there's marketers, there's all sorts going on in that room. So again, it was trying to find something for the whole audience and not just thinking about my own industry. So so if we do actually look in the industry and, and, and such and your situation particularly, how or when was the time where you, you thought, right, this, this has to stop. I'm trying to attract everyone and I need to focus on one client. How did that happen? I think it comes over time. You know, you, you have these people come... <laughs> into your shop and they ask you questions you know and you're just like really are you you know why did you walk in here you know the usual one is why why do you charge so much money so you know it, it comes over time there's maybe one client that annoys you a little bit and they're a bit cheap so you keep your prices down you maybe have dry cuts we I'll talk about this we took dry cuts totally off the menu because it was cheapening our service and when I look at my team and we train all the time, you know, we train once a month, we shut the salon to do training. I spend a lot of money putting outsourcing, bringing people in, um, building up their, you know, their talents and their abilities for then having someone come in and ask, you know, well, why are you charging X amount when I can get it done around the corner for half the price? You know, and these things started to play on my mind of, well, you really don't respect what we're doing as a salon you obviously don't understand how we teach and train and you can't see the difference between a four pound fifty haircut and a 35 pound haircut so for me it was things like i'd i'd also had the benefit of working in like big salon that charged a lot a lot of money with higher end clients um and i was just like you just don't get what we're trying to do here so also, when they come in, they like suck the life out of you. You know, you look at the book 
they're booked in and you're thinking, oh no, please, please, please make her, let her cancel. You know, in the back <laughs> of your head, you're thinking, I don't care if I lose your money today, just cancel that appointment. You know, it's that person that they, they suck the life out of you really, to be fair. You just, and you watch the other members of the team and they're maybe looking thinking, oh no, I've got, we'll call her Betty. We'll always call her Betty. We've got Betty back in today, you know, and it is just thinking, no, we don't need you. We don't need that that nightmare client taking up that appointment time when you could swap her around for one of your perfect clients. And that's how you kind of have to look at it, yeah. So it's pretty much the only time you'd ever wish for a cancellation or no-show. Yeah, definitely. So just on that then, um, like, was business good at this stage and it was just a case of they were frustrating customers or were they taking up the bulk of your customers? Well, there was a mixture because when you looked at the appointment book, the appointment book was really busy. But in the appointment book, there was a lot of, you know, like your 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 cheaper clients and probably your your money clients, really, to be fair. So there's there's that mixture. There's the ones that don't really get what you're trying to do. They've got the money and they'll pay the money, but they become that nightmare, turning up late, never turning up you know, mucking you about, phoning in the morning, rescheduling for the next week, not turning up. So you've got that one. So that's quite a hard one to think about getting rid of because they, they do have the money. But then there's the ones that want just, oh, just put me in for a quick dry cut. You, you know, and if you've got too many of them, your appointment books look, looks really, really busy. However, when you do the figure side, your average client spend is really low or your average hourly spend. And that, as a business owner, is what you've got to look at. Um, so, yeah, business looked really, really good, but by financially, it wasn't the best. You know, if you swapped all those clients for great clients, your profit was going to definitely go up and up. Yeah, because they're almost like putting in the bare minimum as a customer. Yeah, and even less, you know, you've got to work out how much you basically need to bring in per hour. And if you're filled with all these cheaper end clients, it's never going to work, you know, and you're going to fight that losing battle of you personally having to work extra hours to fit in more clients to sustain the rest of the business. So if you had, if you were pretty clear on what you were going to do, at least find, you know, get rid of those Bettys, mm -hmm. how did you approach that with the team? How, like, how did they react initially? Oh, well, they just think I'm crazy. Like, um, <laughs> So yeah, we're going to redo this and we're going to like try and get, I mean, it's really hard as well because you can't just say to people when they come in, no, I'm, no, we just don't do your hair. So you've got to kind of build up to that as well of taking certain things off your price list. So dry cuts just have been eliminated totally. Um, so if you want a dry cut, you can still have one. However, you have to pay the same price as a wet cut. You know, so it's, we, it's not that we won't do your hair. It's just you need to pay for that time because you're getting. It's more about the time aspect of it. It's still taking the same length of time to do a dry cut as it does to do a wet cut. So let your, you know, become that better client and have a better haircut. So your team were pretty much on board with that because they were getting the most out of it too. Well, once you explain to them as well that by you know filtering out this type of client we can start marketing towards attracting a better type of client. And that kind of brings us on to the next question as well. So you've kind of cleaned up your menu as well. 
what sort mm-hmm. of marketing did you have to change around then to be able to like did you know your demographics through marketing or was it just kind of you knew the, the sort I, of products that they opted for mostly or services i didn't i didn't at the time um and like that i was doing the cme masterclass which was taking you through different ways of marketing obviously you have your sales pitch but you also have like your content marketing which is more about showing people what it is you actually do um and sharing with them the experience they're going to have when they come into the salon um and we were doing different things you know we were talking about videos and blogging and social media and everything like that and we then talked about, we went on to talk about customer personas. Um, and that then for me was a light bulb moment of, right, okay. So there's certain types of people that you want. And although we call her Bernie, Bernie is a certain type of person for us. Yeah. We have quite a few Bernies come out of our salon, you know, and she falls in an age group. She falls into, you know, our, our work, what she did she has dogs you know or pets you know that type of thing so you're building up this understanding of a certain type of customer not just one person but once you've got that you also know like i know that that bernie loves facebook so i'm not going to spend loads of time advertising on twitter if all my bernies are on facebook so it's building an understanding of who your perfect customer base is and then marketing towards that. So we do, I've done some blogging, we do some videos, we've got Instagram, we do, you know, a little bit of Snapchat. I'd like to get my head around Twitter because I do know that I've got an audience on Twitter, but I think it's more of a business audience rather than a, a customer audience. So yeah, and that's kind of also knowing then which platforms work for you. Because like you said, you want to move on to Twitter, but it's not a case of I just have to be on Twitter. It's you know there's a reason you want to be on it. Yes, definitely. Um, we we use quite we have a big audience on Facebook. I mean, we don't have a huge audience, but the audience we have are really engaged, and that's because they are actually our customers. You know, our customers have logged it. You know, checked in when they've been in. We do we put videos and stuff that we've done in the salon. We do all our own content, um, and they're the ones that are liking and sharing it, and that's what you want. But on Instagram it's a completely different audience. Our younger market is there. Um, we get a lot of our training models from Instagram. So if we're looking for a certain type of model, we put up a wee Instagram story. And you know, through that, you're getting people, yeah, yeah, I'm free on Wednesday to come in for training. So it's understanding exactly where they are and what it is that they're looking for, whether it's a blog, whether they read or whether they watch videos. So yeah. And when you were defining that persona, I've, I've chatted to a few people who aren't necessarily like very marketing savvy and stuff. And personas is kind of a concept that they have a hard time wrapping their head around. Um, did you actually craft that like Bernie persona around someone you actually knew? Yeah, she's a real life person. She um, Bernie's been a salon client. I think she's about four years, but she is also my perfect customer like hair type so I love cutting short hair I love people that read books um, drink gin have animals are dead friendly really excited about life in general now she walked in our salon she'd been going somewhere else quite local and just through talking with her I knew she had to be with me I knew of every stylist that I had in the salon she was my perfect client and that's really why I use her um, to describe a certain type of persona um, but we do, we use 
different different clients' names um, to describe what type of customer we've got. And I'm assuming Bernie knows that uh, she's Bernie. Yeah, yeah. When <laughs> I did my talk, my presentation, there is a picture of Bernie um, in the presentation. And like that, she brings us um, like strawberry daiquiris and stuff at Christmas. You know, she's she's just really special. She just loves being in the salon. She speaks to all the other customers. She just involves everybody. You know, she's just that really, really good person. But we have other customer personas that aren't that aren't like that. We've got like a, a quieter client who actually is really good with 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 that type of client i i just scare them i freak them out so you know they're not they're not right to be with me because i'm too i'm too loud i'm too you know overpowering so they're not they're not right to be with me whereas ashley's like my polar opposite so if there's a client that shouldn't be with me she goes to ashley so is it a case then of figuring out not just like who is the perfect client for the salon but mm-hmm. actually who's the perfect client for each and every mm-hmm. team member as you build that perfect team. Yep, definitely. Um, it is quite hard because my ideal job in the salon would be to interview every new client, you know, and work out exactly who their best stylist would be. So I'm not great with long hair. It's not, it's not my thing. Whereas again, Ashley, Ashley loves long hair. She loves highlighting. She loves long hair. She loves that big bouncy blow dry. So if that walk, if that client walks into the salon, oh please don't don't give her to me, give her to Ashley because Ashley's going to give her the best service, has the best understanding of that type of hair and that service. So it makes perfect sense to put her on Ashley. She's going to be happy. Ashley's going to be happy. We're all going to win, and I'll get my short hair clients. So while you have one ideal client for the whole salon, each staff member pretty much has their own um, particular persona that they like as well then? Yeah, we definitely we definitely have services that we're better at doing. And I'm a great believer in if you don't want to do that service, then you shouldn't be forced to do it. Yeah. So if you struggle doing hair ups and it's not your thing, it doesn't come naturally, and you really dread seeing a hair up in your column on a Saturday, then I'm not going to force you to do that. Put that client in with the person that's that's better at doing that service. So, yeah, it works both ways. So you've got definitely a type of client for the salon, but then as that filters off, in an ideal world, you would get each individual client with their perfect stylist. What we did do in the salon was we each took our top 20 customers. So we run our forest report and took like the top 20 customers each. And then we went through them to highlight whether they were our perfect customer or whether or not they should be passed over. So we sometimes pass over clients. So if I'm feeling that this client here should be with someone else in the salon, I'll make that introduction. You know, I'll maybe say, right, I'm off on holiday. Why don't you try Ashley or Kelsey this time? Um, In the hope that I'm thinking she has a backup stylist or if I'm too busy, she'll go in with someone else. So run that report. That would be on your checklist. Run your report and work out who your perfect customers are. I really like that because especially when uh, clients pick their preferred staff member, they'll tend to just kind of wait for you to come back. Where if you do have a backup that they are comfortable with, then that means it keeps the business flowing. Yeah. Yeah, we we, we like to share customers so that you know that, well, if, if Hazel's fully booked this week, I know that she can be booked in with, you know, Kelsey. And it's not having to go at the stylist and say, 
oh, do you mind if it's just a given rule in our salon? Yeah. If you're fully booked, that client's going to be booked in with your backup stylist. That's a fair statement, yeah. So if, for instance, I had a salon and I had a lot of Bettys and I came to you and said, mm-hmm. I can't do, I can't do this anymore. How, like, shut your shop, <laughs> just shut your shop, go home. <laughs> um, but like, what would be kind of your advice to someone who wants to make that transition? How, like, is there a checklist kind of like a point by point, this is what you kind of have to do and eventually you'll get there? I think what it's more about is attracting the right client to your shop rather than getting rid of the ones that you don't want. Because as you attract the right clients, your wrong ones will drop off. They they just disappear. Because when you're asking for the right amount of money, you know, you're giving the right service. I mean, we're big on promoting our, you know, our retail products. We use social media. We always rebook our clients. So there's I think you give off certain vibes and stuff to these clients that you really don't want to come back. And because the pressure's taken off you, because the the good ones are coming in the door, the ones that you really, really want, you don't focus on the, the negative ones. You know, you they're slowly just drifting away to you know, in our town, I think there's 11 hair salons in our town and, and they can go there. You know, you don't, I'm now like, you don't have to come to us. There's another 11 salons you can go to. So if somebody comes in now and says, well, they're cheaper around the corner. I'm like, well, go around the corner, you know, go, go there. You don't need to come to us. We have a good clientele. We're not begging you to come here. It's your choice. That's mad, like the fact that you're saying there's 11 salons and yet you still turn around and go, well, we have an ideal client and that's who we want. Where most people go, there's 11 salons in the town. Oh, I have to take everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone that comes through the door has to be mm-hmm. mine, essentially. Yeah. Or there's that worry of, well, I'll lose all business. So it just makes it even more of a, I suppose, bold move, a braver move. So I suppose you said you're actually part of it's CMA, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You think that is... A definitely a driving force bef- behind making these decisions or would you have kind of thought of this yourself if you weren't part of any other groups like do you think someone could get involved in networks and groups out there i think there's more groups now you know four years ago when i first um i would say i stumbled across cma i was looking for something my business was up it kind of stagnated i was having problems and issues with things um I was looking, I didn't have a website at that time. I wasn't really into social media. I knew something needed to change. And I ended up um, meeting a, a brand guy, a designer, a local call from Pixels Inc. He took me under his wing, really, to help me understand the importance of having like a brand. So I met him through the group. Um, but then through being part of that group, I was then introduced to the social media side of things, the content marketing, the videos. Um, I've always been one for exciting new ideas. You know, I'm like, I'm there first. I have total FOMO. I have fear of missing out on everything. Let me do it. Let me do it first. Um, So when I I walked into this group, it was perfect timing for me. Whereas now there's a lot more groups out there. There's a lot more business groups. There's loads of business coaches. There's people popping up all over the place. So I feel that I got a really good core understanding from CMA as to who my perfect customer was. But they also give you the support in letting go the ones you don't. You know, you don't need them is what they'd say. You know, you'd be in panicking and this client's come in, they've been a nightmare, they're moaning about this, that and the next thing. 
well, just let them go. You know, don't get involved in that argument. Don't be part of that online social media bitch and moaning thing. Just call it a day and let them go. So a group gives you the strength, I think, to do what you know is right to do yourself. But you've got the support there pushing you forward, saying, just do it, just go for it. The groups, I think, are, are fun in the sense that you're getting people from different industries and different backgrounds. And sometimes you, if you're only looking at your own industry, you can miss out on certain things. So it's really good for that as well. Yeah, I don't tend to be part of hairdressing groups. I've got hairdressing friends that I have close, like there's three of us. Um, two of them are from down near London way. And we just have a wee WhatsApp group and we just keep each other going. You know, we just, oh, I've had this bad day today and we're all salon owners. We have the same size of salon. We met on a conference in Italy for Matrix. So, you know, we, we gelled there and we keep each other going. But it's not a big formal group. It's just a really personal, you know, help each other through all the lumps and bumps that come with having a salon, really. A little group to vent to. Yeah, totally. It, it doesn't matter what business you're in or what industry. If you're only in the same industry groups, you're only going to learn what each other is doing. Where if you, you have to step outside, and we have had other people on the show and they've all said the same thing to succeed, you need to look outside of your industry and find out what other people are doing to be able to bring that back in. It's like that mind shift change. If you're doing the same things over and over and doing the same thing as, as everyone else in your area, how is it going to progress? Yeah, you definitely need something to stand out, especially nowadays, you know, and and like that, I've just started similar to what, what you're doing, but interviewing the local business owners in my town, you know, who have their own little business, it's a small town, then you can build, you know, our own little community within the town to help share to all our perfect customers that we have exactly what's going on. Nobody has a clue what goes on in our town. So that's my next um, step engaging other small businesses and what's going on cool so just to wrap up the show i suppose for anyone else that decides right they want to go and find their bernie today what would you t kind of like what steps would you advise they start taking now to work on that journey i would say start with yourself um you know it's a it's a big step to make a decision to change because i basically changed my whole business model through making the decision to you know, take certain things off the price list. Also, that if you have a certain client in mind, is your salon reflecting what this perfect customer's after? You know, are you just giving her instant coffee when what she's really craving is a cappuccino? You know, that sort of thing. So really reassess your whole environment um, and your team. Are your team trained well enough to cope with the type of clients that you're after? You know, if you've got somebody who only does dry haircuts and suddenly you're going to expect them to do all these wash, cut and blow dries, you know, are they quick enough? Are they, do they, are they trained enough to understand all the products? So it's shifting from basically what, what you're doing right now to picturing where you want to be and working out that journey that you need to go on to, to hit those perfect clients. And speak to them. You know, we did a customer sur survey. We printed out sheets, tick the boxes, tell us what we could be doing better and things like that. But give them to your perfect customers. Don't give them to everybody. Only give them to the customers that are really important and valuable to you. Start being more aware of your customers coming through the door and going, I suppose, like a filter. Yes, no, yes, no. Good, bad, good, bad. And just work it through that way. Yeah, definitely. Um, because you all have that client that, 
when you see her in your appointment book, you can't wait for her to come in, you know, and you maybe eke your time out a little bit more. You maybe give her a little bit, you know, more of an effort because you, you want to spend that time. And if you've got eight hours in your day back to back with people that you just can't wait to speak to in your day job, it's it's phenomenal. You know, you it, what more of a buzz do you need? Obviously, you want paid, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely makes a difference. Well, Pamela, listen, that's brilliant. And thanks so much for joining us on the show today. I hope uh, some of our listeners out there will be able to take that brave move that you did and I suppose start cleaning up their, their, their client base. Because when you start having your ideal customers, that means they're going to be happier customers. That means your business looks better as well. Like when you start getting reviews and stuff, it's going to really filter out those negative reviews because someone that has a negative review they were looking for something that you you can't offer so it just really cleans up that whole side of things and i suppose it really makes uh working life and business life happier for you in general yeah definitely and then you've got a happier team you know if your team are coming in looking forward to their day it's you know it's happiness all around for everybody you're not dreading who's going to walk through the door or like you say that review on Facebook or on Google or whatever like that. Um, moaners are always going to moan is what I say <laughs> and you don't want them in your business. Just get rid. Yeah. Let them moan. Let them moan somewhere else. Let them be somebody else's problem. Well, listen, thanks very much, Pamela. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. So that was Pamela Laird from Finn and Cohair discussing how to ditch your Bettys for your Bernies. And we'd love to know who's your Bernie and how are you getting on? So moving into the second part of the show now, we have Zoe talking about upcoming webinars. Yes, and unfortunately this week we don't have any webinars, but what we do have <laughs> but what we do have is even better at the moment. We're uh, giving away a bundle of two books, The Coaching Habit, which is a really, really cool book that we're actually reading. Uh, some of us are reading in, in Forest. And then The Lifestyle Salon Owner by Rich McCabe just came out this year. So we're giving away those two books, The Coaching Habit, The Lifestyle Salon Owner, and we're also giving away a Dripster cold brew coffee maker. So we have that one bundle. Uh, there's going to be one winner. It's a draw, essentially, uh, once again, as usual. And it ends on September 6th at 5 p.m. GMT, so UK Ireland time. Uh, all you have to do is go onto the Forest blog. We'll link the um, we'll link the giveaway in the episode's notes anyways. Fill in your details and then that's it. It's as simple as that. You can also find it on Facebook and on Instagram. But yeah, so ends on September 6th. So that's it for us today. If you have any feedback, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or on Stitcher. We're always looking for suggestions on how to improve the show. We're also on Spotify now, so don't forget you can also check us out there. Otherwise, have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best.